Are you a homeschooling mom who could use a little more confidence that you're doing it well? Or are you considering homeschooling and wondering if you have what it takes to give your children a good education? Then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Listeners, thank you so much for your support. This enables us to further our mission, to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I just love waking up in the morning, curling up in my comfy chair with a warm cup of coffee, and reading the daily news. Did you just tense up? Because I did. Honestly, I sense myself wanting to avoid the news at all costs, and shield my children from it as well. But. What if there was a better way to be informed without being disheartened? Well, that's exactly what I love about the world and everything in it. This podcast from World News Group is my favorite source for current events because I can get sound journalism from a Christian worldview without the hysteria, the chaos, and the stress. As one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs, they deliver essential headlines, field reporting, interviews, and expert analysis every weekday search for the world and everything in it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we are so excited to have Jamie Erickson back on our show today. We had her on a few months ago to talk about home and hospitality. And let me tell you something, it was absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. So listeners, if you guys missed that episode, please go back and listen. Uh, We'll have Heather put a link to that one in the show notes so you can easily find it. Uh, Katie, I had the honor of introducing our guest last time. So I'm going to give you the honors today. Sure. When she's not curating memories, hoarding vintage books, or playing ringmaster to a circus of her own making, Jamie Erickson can be found encouraging and equipping a growing tribe of mothers all across the globe on the Mom to Mom podcast, through her blog, The Unlikely Homeschool, at national conferences, and in her book, Holy Huga, Creating a Place for People to Gather and the Gospel to Grow, and the book we're talking about today, Homeschool Bravely, How to Squash Doubt, Trust God, and teach your child with confidence. She's been married to her college sweetheart for over 20 years. Together, they're raising and launching their five kids along the shores of Lake Superior in Minnesota. Jamie, welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to be here again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, Jamie, I always love to hear stories about how God orchestrates His purposes in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I know your husband was homeschooled, uh, but it wasn't something that his mom originally set out to do or felt qualified to do. And I would love for you to share that story. Yeah, well, this was back in the 80s and 90s when homeschooling was super weird and practically illegal. Very few people were doing it, and really no people were doing it in his teeny tiny town. But he, when he was six years old, he fell off the counter and broke his hip and had to have multiple surgeries and uh, doctor visits and stints in the hospital, which rendered him unable to go to the public school, which was where he had been at. The public school sent 
a tutor that first year to his bedside and taught him according to the scope and sequence of his classroom. And his mom really began to see how he thrived in that one-on-one sort of environment. It's not that he was a poor student before, but he kind of just didn't apply himself. He also, you know, was a six-year-old boy who would rather be out climbing trees than sitting doing math facts, if we're being honest. Um, so, But she did see how he kind of came alive with that one-on-one attention. Well, then year one gave way to year two, and... They sent another tutor, but she began stepping in, kind of filling in more of the gaps. And by year three, they just considered the possibility of keeping him at home, which at that time was really unheard of. And and I like to say, you know, they, they opened up their Bible and were really called by one particular verse or another, or even that they sort of polled a lot of their, their counselors in their lives to see if this was a good decision, but they really didn't. They just saw how he was thriving and made the parental choice to keep him at home. And now if you were to ask them today, you know, do you, do you see the hand of God in that? Do you, you feel like you felt called to homeschool? They would say absolutely 100% because that calling came from the providence of God and how he orchestrated certain events in their life to where homeschooling was really the only clear choice. But at the time it was just a broken hip. That really was their wet, wet fleece to um, veer them in that direction. God uses all things. Yeah, and my husband still <laughs> has the the nasty scar on his left hip to prove it. Oh, wow. <laughs> he calls it his homeschool scar. Yep, poor <laughs> <laughs> wound. Well, what are some of the common fears that you see holding parents back from homeschooling? Now that it's not illegal, you know, it's legal in all 50 states, praise the Lord. Um, But there's still a lot of fear surrounding homeschooling. So what are some of the fears that you see and how does the gospel speak to those fears? Well, I think, you know, I've received hundreds, if not thousands of emails from moms all over the globe most of which kind of start and end with a fear. They might be writing me to ask me what curriculum to to use Mm. or like how to join us or start a co-op. But if I pull on the thread long enough and really stay engaged in the conversation, what really is at the heart of the email is a fear. And and I I would say almost without a doubt, they all can be brought down to, distilled down to these two main fears. One, I don't feel qualified to teach. I'm pretty sure I'm going to screw this up. Mm. I feel like moms think that they have to teach it all. The fact that, you know, you add home in front of school, then that means all of the responsibility and the, the full weight of not just raising the children, but also educating them, then falls to her shoulder. But I would argue that you know, you don't have to teach all the things in homeschooling. The blessing and benefit of homeschooling is that you just get to decide you know, the, mm-hmm. the decision is placed in your hands for what is taught, how it's taught, when it's taught, by what worldview it's taught. So I can point to many things throughout the last 16 years of homeschooling that I never taught at all. Why? Because I was ill-equipped to teach it. I didn't have maybe even the desire to teach it um, or the time. And so I outsourced several things. Like nobody wants me to teach them Mandarin Chinese, I would be an absolute (laughs) failure. Nobody wants me to teach them geometry. These are not things that I'm equipped to teach. But I still homeschooled with sure confidence because I got to decide who 
taught the things. I would also argue, you know, I was a teacher in the classroom for many years before homeschooling. There's not a single expert, quote unquote, expert out there who knows all the things either. Mm. So if if you feel unqualified or ill-equipped because maybe you are missing out on some important something, just know that if you sent your kids to the brick and mortar school, the same could be said there too. We're homeschooling in a time when the market is absolutely saturated with options, Mm -hmm. many of which will actually do the heavy lifting for you. So if there is one particular skill or even core subject that you just don't feel comfortable with, never fear. There's plenty of just sort of like open and inflate curriculums that will lead you in a good direction. And to the gospel, we all need to remember this. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So God doesn't call us to homeschool because we're able. He calls us because he is able. And we just have to um, obey. Ours is the obedience. And we have to remember that God is in charge of the results. If we hold our homeschools out with open hands, he will surely do it because he loves our children far more than we could. And he's promised to give us immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. So, you know, moms think that they feel unqualified. I think the the number two fear that is often faced is that their kids will be weird or unsocialized. (laughs) You know, we're still beating that drum in 2023. How is that even possible? But there's weird kids in public school, too. I went to school with some weird kids. I'm a weird kid. You know, I was about like, to yeah, say, mine yeah. are weird and we're proud of it. I, right. <laughs> weird is really more about... Homeschooled, weird, and proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Weird, I think, is more about nature than nurture. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's shy kids in the public school. There's mm-hmm. shy kids in homeschooling. There's um, introverted. There's weird. There's anxious. I would say that actually sending that anxious, shy, introverted kid to the public school and it's like sort of hierarchy caste system actually makes them more introverted and shy and, mm-hmm. and actually um, avalanches a whole lot of other things into the mix of fears and terrors besides just being weird, quote unquote weird. We have to remember this. The homeschooling landscape is really broad. So if mm-hmm. you are fearful that your kids are going to miss out on some important something that you think should always happen in their, you know, lifetimes, the prom or, you know, going to the science fair or, you know, fill in the blank, X, Y, Z, whatever you think they're going to miss out on, just know that there is, I absolutely guarantee there is a homeschooling equivalent of that because mm-hmm. There just is. Homeschooling has uh, ballooned by leaps and bounds. So there's homeschooling sports, homeschooling band, homeschooling drama groups, graduation, prom, you name it, homeschoolers have got it. So there's really no reason to feel like our kids are going to miss out. And I would argue that there's so many other experiences that can only be accessed through homeschooling that you just can't replicate in a traditional setting. Like, apprenticeships. Uh, my son right now is doing an apprenticeship in mechanics because he has a desire to learn how to fix cars. And that's just not a gifting that my husband has. And so he's afforded large swaths of time in the middle of the school day 
um, to go to the home of a mechanic in our church who is willing to lend some of his wisdom to our son. And he can do that for hours right in the middle of the school day because we can fit school around the rest of his life. We have the privilege and ability to do that. So apprenticeships, I would say time spent honing skills. My 11-year-old was just drafted to the 13-year-old baseball league last night, because not because he's like some baseball genius or has, you know, mad skills, but because he has spent quite a lot of time through the spring when other kids are sitting in the classroom with a a textbook, practicing different reps and different drills. Now, granted, we're not just giving up on homeschooling altogether and letting (laughs) him play baseball, but we homeschooling does naturally afford him some more flexibility to his schedule. So he's been able to hone some of those skills and develop them in ways that he would not have been able to develop them had he been sitting in a classroom for, you know, six to eight hours a day. Um, just there's many things to homeschooling that you just cannot replicate in a traditional setting. First Corinthians 15:33 says, "Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals." Proverbs 13:20 says, "Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm." And I would think that if you are fearful right now, if you're listening to this and you're fearful that my kids are going to be weird, they're going to be unsocialized, I want you to think about this. The current social climate on campuses across the country include these things. Bullying, illicit drugs, school shootings, suicide, underage drinking, sexting, pornography, just to name a few. So weird looks pretty mild by comparison. Mm. Wow. Yes. Well, Jamie, in your book, you wrote about something that happened in a doctor's office that shook your confidence in homeschooling. So what happened that day that caused you to fear? Yeah. And I have to set the stage with this story by saying I was a trained teacher. I had a teaching license. There is absolutely no reason why I should fear being able to teach my child. But this is what the enemy does. You know, he Mm. leads with fear. He leads with guilt and shame. Now, hear me. I'm not saying you have to have a license or be a trained teacher to teach. Absolutely not. Yes. But I only say that to say, I feared too. And I had a license that said I shouldn't fear. My daughter was 12. And she was of an age where going to her male pediatrician was kind of getting a little awkward. There were some questions she had that she didn't really want to voice to a man. And so I made an attempt to find a female doctor for her. And I sort of eeny, meeny, miny, mowed my way through the phone book and landed on one that (laughs) sounded promising. Little did I know that when I brought my daughter to the doctor's office that day, I was going to face a firing squad of accusations because this doctor had formed some pretty hard and fast opinions and conclusions about homeschooling. When she saw on my daughter's patient form that I had checked, you know, when they when they ask you, where do you go to school? And I had checked the other box to indicate that she was homeschooled and she wasn't, you know, affiliated with any of the local school districts. That was a red flag to this doctor. And she um, began her examination with by saying, you know, homeschooling was fine for the younger years when when your daughter was little, but now she's of an age where she really needs to be among her peers. You're kind of doing her a disservice. You're going to create a lot of emotional baggage for her. And she's saying all this in front of my daughter. 
you know, and my daughter's just like looking anywhere and everywhere to hide because she feels Mm -hmm. caught in the middle. And, you know, basically the doctor was saying that I was going to mess her up and do irreparable damage to her. And I left that doctor's office nearly convinced that she was right because I just felt um, trapped by her words. I felt like she was the expert. She had, you know, diplomas all on her wall. The state had granted her, you know, expertise. And um, she had almost convinced me to pull the plug on homeschooling. But I really, really what it boiled down to was just the love I knew that God had for my daughter. And the verse remind the verse that reminded me, he who began a good work will bring it to completion. And I knew that in love for my daughter, God would bring her to the completed work he had for her with or without homeschooling, but it just so happened that he called us to homeschool. So I just kind of had to shake off the the doctor's words, kind of like a dog shaking off the, the rainwater and just keep marching forward doing the thing that I knew he had called us to do. Mm. It does surprise me that that is still an argument that people are making. You know, I understand maybe early on in homeschooling when it was so unusual and we didn't know a lot of people who did it, but the, the socialization aspect, the fact that that is still a problem is confusing to me because that's actually what drew me to Mm -hmm. homeschooling was seeing how a family operated together and how these teenage boys could play with babies or have a conversation with adults or be with their own peers, um, play with toddlers. Like they just were so comfortable with the whole spectrum of humanity and, and being engaging with everyone. And so that's what first drew me to it. So I was so confused when people started asking questions about socialization or, you know, uh, time with peers. And I just, I, I don't think they need to be with peers all day to experience friendships and and things like right. that. So that's why it's always so confusing to me. I mean, was this a recent situation that happened with your daughter? At well, the she was office? twelve. She's nineteen now, so okay. it, it so was a, handful a bit of years ago. ago. Yeah, but I would. I think it's really ironic that we're still battling the same argument out in the the public square when we have second generation homeschoolers mm-hmm, to disprove mm-hmm. those those fears and those those perceived failures. I mean my my husband is a second generation homeschooler and I can tell you, you know, he is a regular contributing member of society. He can have an a conversation with you by looking you in the <laughs> eyes and speaking to you. He pays his taxes. He has a job that pays him real cash money. You know, he loves his wife. He loves his family. He loves Jesus. He has all the benchmarks of a quote unquote normal human being. And yet <laughs> we're still having the same right. argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because uh, social reasons was also one of the things that attracted me to homeschooling at first. Years ago, we had a restaurant and we worked both kids that were in high school, in the public school, in the Christian school, and kids that were homeschooled. And one thing that I noticed, I had not even considered homeschooling, but one thing I noticed about the difference in these kids, not all of them, but, but the vast majority of the homeschoolers were able to have conversations with people of all ages and look them in their eyes, where we noticed that the ones that were in school tended to only be comfortable doing that with their peers. Right. And so I saw 
greater social skills in kids that were homeschooled because they're they're not just with their peers their age 40 hours a week they're with people of all ages and so I found that their social skills were much greater with interacting with people of all ages so that was one of the first things uh, that attracted me to homeschooling was their social skills and that really is the the pure definition of socialization that you can interact with a diverse population of people. And there is no other time in our lives where we will be segregated and set apart simply by our birth year. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, Ginger, I I can completely echo that and have experienced that in in the public square when I bring my kids out and about and they'll be conversing with, you know, the elderly lady at the supermarket and the tiny little toddler who's standing right next to her and, you know, the cashier and and creating a lovely conversation. Sadly, within that same moment, someone turns around and says, oh, why aren't you in school? And then when the answer is, oh, I homeschool. Well, aren't you afraid of socialization? And they ask that (laughs) to the child who has just been conversing with them for the last five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. Seems they're doing all right. Thank you right. for asking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, crazy. I wonder too how much of that stigma was attached to homeschooling because in the early days of homeschooling, people had to isolate for fear right. of being punished, you know, or taken to jail. So yeah. kids don't speak, you know, we, we aren't out in public in the day. I mean, we had Zan Tyler on our show and she told horror stories about being fearful the police were coming to her door in the early days of homeschooling. So right. I wonder if some of, some people are still hearkening back to those 80s and 90s where we just were really unsure culturally how that was going to go. Mm-hmm. I think it is a, a conversation crutch that a lot of people use when they find out that they home that you homeschool mm. simply out of ignorance and I don't use that in a in a mean that term in a mean way just in its its actual root definition they just don't know and mm. so in order to engage in the conversation they do hearken back and and default to that socialization question because it was the question of the ages back then so we really can't be upset at them um, any more than we can be upset at somebody for you know, asking us about the weather in our area. It's just a conversation crutch that has kind of carried over from the previous 20 years. That's mm-hmm. a great way to describe it. I've never thought about that, mm-hmm. it being a conversation crutch, but you're exactly right. Have your kids ever come to you with math homework and asked for your help, only for you to realize you did a mathematical brain dump the day you graduated high school? Well, I have great news for you, parents. Whether you're homeschooling or helping your kids with their math homework after school, CTC Math is an invaluable resource. They have video tutorials and summaries that are concise and really engaging while still fully covering the subject matter. It's like having your own personal math tutor accessible at any time. I have so many favorite things about CTC Math, but just to name a few, I get extensive reports and summaries of my kids' progress. We have access to CTC Math's entire catalog of lessons, not just per grade level, as many online math programs do. And finally, there is a 365-day money-back guarantee, literally no questions asked. If you or your kids need some extra help with math, go to ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial. Again, that's ctcmath.com. 
Uh, so, Jamie, as you mentioned, you're a trained teacher who taught in the classroom for many years. But even with all of that experience, um, you've shared about how you still had fears about yeah. teaching certain subjects. And I can totally relate to that because I myself barely made it through high school. So I thought, how in the world am I going to homeschool? Um, and I think that teaching subjects that we ourselves had trouble learning is a common fear for homeschooling mm-hmm. moms. Uh, but when we trust God and walk in obedience to what He's called us to do, He just always makes a way. Time and time again, God shows His faithfulness and helps us to overcome those fears in, in really sometimes even what seems to be miraculous ways. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard you, I don't know if I read this in your book or if I heard you share it somewhere else. I heard you speak one time at a, a convention. It was fantastic. That may be where I heard it. I don't remember. But I remember you sharing about one particular subject that you were really fearful about teaching because you were terrible at it yourself. And then you shared what I saw is is one of those just almost miraculous stories of God showing up in the right moment at the right time to help you overcome that fear in your life. Yeah, that's the immeasurably more that uh, I was speaking of that Ephesians 3.20 refers to um, when he provides in ways that are unexplainable, that don't add up on paper. So Ginger, you're referring to my fear of algebra. And I have to preface this by saying math and I, math has been the mustache twirling villain in all of my days for my entire life. Um, we do not get along. Math has been, math and I have had a blood feud my entire life and math is the worst the end. But I knew that I, if I was going to homeschool, I would have to face math. And not only would I have to face math, I'd have to face hard math like Mm. algebra. So when my daughter was four and I really was contemplating and prayerfully considering homeschooling, I really felt called to homeschool, but then math. And I almost talked myself out of homeschooling her because I looked ahead beyond the season that I was in, first mistake, Mm. and thought about how I would for sure fail her because I didn't know Algebra 1. I was borrowing trouble, as my mother would say. Borrowing Mm -hmm. trouble, that's not yours to borrow. Um, but I, I really felt called. And so I just had to hold out Algebra to the Lord and say, God, I don't know how I will teach Algebra 1. But I know that if you're calling me to homeschool, I know that you will make a way. Mine is the obedience. Yours is the result. And so I just began Mm. homeschooling, trusting that if he wanted us to continue, he would make a way. Fast forward about two and a half years later when my daughter was in second grade, a new family came, moved into our teeny tiny town. And when a new family moves in, you kind of take note. Not only was it a new family, um, they had two girls, the oldest of which was my daughter's age, and they had just pulled her from the public school to homeschool her in this new town. And her name was Jackie. The mom's name was Jackie. And Jackie was a financial advisor, but she had kind of hung up that hat for a time in order to devote more time and attention to her girls and specifically to this new adventure called homeschooling. And Jackie and I became really fast friends. You know, she joined our co-op and then later our church. And we just had, we were kindred spirits. And so were our girls. Well, when my daughter was in eighth grade, um, she had actually done just fine at math, by the way, and was really progressing quite quickly, even beyond me. I mean, she had, she had learned beyond me. She had surpassed Mm -hmm. me. And isn't that the goal, ladies? 
mm-hmm. of homeschooling that our kids would surpass us. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's just my... not so soon. Yeah. That, that's been my struggle. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, like, well, in eighth fourth grade. grade math is stumping me. I'm really just frustrated. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I same. I, I feel that deeply. That resonates. Um, well, in eighth grade, she was ready to move on to Algebra 1. But even before I f- got a chance to flip through all the catalogs to pick out, you know, whatever... Uh, contender there was out there that might help me get through it, I got an email from my friend Jackie. And she said, hey, Jamie, I was just um, wondering, I'm thinking about teaching an Algebra 1 class to some area homeschoolers. And I'm just wondering if you might be interested in (laughs) sending Maddie to the class. I mean, isn't that cute? If I might be interested, (laughs) it's just cute. And I cannot tell you how much I ugly cried when I opened that email. I mean, it still tears me up talking about it today. And just like the kindness of God that even before I knew Jackie, he was already making a way. He knew all along, you know, in just just obey in faith, Jamie, because in like two and a half years, I'm going to bring a lady to your your town that will not only be just a treasured friend, she'll teach algebra for you so you won't ever have to open up an algebra book you know and if i had if i had allowed my fears of math to um veer me from the call to homeschooling i would have missed out on the friend and the algebra you know and maddie did fine she earned an a in that class and you can look at that as the success as the as the win in the story but really that's just a secondary secondary thing the real win was that God grew our faith, both mine and Maddie's, in that season in ways that we would never be able to replicate in any other way. Because when we saw nothing but fears and faults and my perceived failures of math, we had to press hard into God. We had to say, we can't, we are unable, but you are able. And boy, did he provide immeasurably more for us. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he tells us in his word, well, as your mom said, don't borrow trouble. Right. <laughs> and as the scriptures say, that we shouldn't worry about tomorrow because each right. day does have enough trouble of its own. And so all that worry, you know, and I've done that too. I've been guilty of that so many times in my life where I wasted all of this time worrying about something that was going to be tomorrow when God already knew he was sovereign right. and he provides when we're obedient to him and we trust him and we obey him and the, the the things that he's called us to do, he is always faithful. So we don't have to waste time worrying because we know that he is the great provider. And even if you are listening to this and you're like, well, God isn't providing me an Algebra 1 teacher. You know, where is she? Where is the Jackie in my life? God knows exactly what your child needs. And I truly believe that he knows there are some kids that just do not need to know Algebra 1. Now, I'm not saying just avoid it altogether, but they mm. might not be math geniuses. They might not go into accounting. God might have other plans for them. So where we see like a gap in their education or something, some important something that is missing, God says, no, I got this. I know exactly what they need and I will provide what they need. And maybe for one child or another, it's not Algebra 1. Mm. Well, Jamie, something that you, well, you talking about this made me think about the question I hear from almost everybody that I tell that we're homeschooling. If they're not homeschoolers themselves, the question is almost always, are you going to go all the way through high school? And I really think there's an underlying fear there 
with folks who may be thinking about homeschooling or, you know, don't want to do it. Maybe the fear is that high school is the boogeyman or something that, that there is this four years that are so intimidating that we need to hand them back at that point and let someone else do that. So, um, I'm going to ask a different question in a minute, but I want to hear you speak to that particular fear because I don't know, maybe I've had it (laughs) or currently have it. (laughs) So I'd love to hear you talk about the high school years specifically. I think that the high school years seem real formal. Like we have to check a bunch of extra boxes in order for it to count. But it's the same transition that you made from going to like four-year-old then to five and all of a sudden, you know, the government says, oh, they're of an age where they have to to learn in a certain way or it doesn't count. Mm. It's the same transition. And again, we are we are homeschooling in a time where there is a plethora of not just resources, but helps for you as the mom. Don't don't let high school be the nail in the coffin that convinces you to opt out because um, there's just so many options out there for you to continue on. And really, you know, in the same way that you, you did lots of fun, delightful learning in the elementary school years, all of that can continue in high school. It Mm. doesn't necessarily have to be, um, led by rigor just because they've suddenly reached this magical age of 13 or 14. Hmm, That's good. And let me just say something about that too, Katie, um, that I just thought about is when my kids were in high school, that's when I went through a very devastating, painful divorce and was thrown into uh, having to do a lot of things outside the home, um, providing for our family that I was not used to having to do. And so uh, just with me being so devastated and having so much on my plate, so much responsibility, I had that fear. I thought they were in high school. How am I going to be able to continue homeschooling them? And I found that they, for that, for a solid year, they pretty much homeschooled themselves. They were, I wrote the lesson plans and they were able to do those assignments themselves because they were used to being home and and doing school by themselves. And they knew the routine. They knew how to do it. And so I would, I did their assignments and they schooled themselves. And there were weeks that I would say, you know, here's the teacher book. If there was something that you didn't understand, could you look through this? And they helped each other. And they were able to do a lot of it themselves just because that's what they were used to. And so I have found that kids that that homeschool, they're very resourceful. Mm-hmm. And so that was that, that's just my encouragement there. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all conditioned to believe that education only looks one way. Right. Mm. Yes. But what we usually think of when we ed- think of education is actually not education at all. It's school. And there's a difference. Education is about forward motion. It's about constant learning and continual continually building of the mind. My daughter was able, actually both my daughter and my oldest son were able to take um, some online college dual enrollment courses the final two years of their high school from a Christian liberal arts college. And they both did fantastic A's across the board. Not because they are necessarily geniuses or, you know, extra academic. No, they're just pretty average kids. But what they did know and and were able to do well is one, follow basic instructions, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and two, articulate their opinions well. And those Mm. two skills 
serve them well in college because that's mm-hmm. really all it is. Being able to um, listen and follow directions according to the college professor's syllabus, however he or she wants things laid out, and have an opinion and be able to articulate it. Hmm. That's great. Yep. Okay. Well, Jamie, one thing our listeners really love is the practicality of the things that we talk about in our podcast. And so are there any tips you can give to moms, especially moms who are considering homeschooling or just getting started to help build their confidence or even veterans? Like, I guess I would technically be a veteran at this point. And I still need this uh, to help build confidence in the homeschool day. Well, I have four really quick ones and hopefully I can do this quickly. Um, One, I would say you have to read widely. Counted as continuing education, professional development for yourself. Not only um, will you hopefully learn how to homeschool by, you know, capitalizing and, and, and leaning into some of the homeschooling resources that are out there, books about homeschooling, but you're also bringing a lot of new knowledge and information to your homeschool. So even if you're reading a fiction book just simply for pleasure, you can bring all of that delight and whatever you learn from that fiction book to the conversation around your dining room table. So read widely. And then two, model what it looks like to be a beginner. Model what Mm. it looks like to delight in learning something new, to try something and maybe fail and have to get back up again, to be bad at something, but also to be determined to get better because that's what learning is. And if you can model being a beginner, being a learner, they're going to catch that and that um, will ignite a fire in them to be a learner themselves, a lifelong learner. Three, set a rhythm, not a schedule in your home. Set an order to the day. It's going to act like the rails that kind of keep you on track, setting the day on autopilot. So even in, like in Ginger's case, when you cannot be all in for a short season, they can be all in because the rhythm has been set. A schedule, a time-ordered block schedule is only setting yourself up for failure and frustration because it's not sustainable. So just set a rhythm. And number four, and this is probably the most important one, chase the fun. Hmm. There's this long-standing trend in homeschooling um, that says you have to scale back. You have to simplify and do less. And I really understand the argument because I think in scaling back, we think we're, we're setting ourselves up to have longevity in this thing. We won't get burnt out. But I think sometimes in only doing the three R's for the sake of our sanity, we're actually demoralizing our children and making them hate learning especially Hmm. those kids who are kind of more right brain learners, creative types. When we don't incorporate some of the extras into our school week because, you know, we don't want the mess or we don't want to spend the time. Um, Not all the extras, mind you. I'm not saying cram every single thing, every, every possibility into your day. But when we don't incorporate some, or should I really say, when we don't incorporate meaningful extras that matter to our kids... Homeschool can quickly become a slog for them, and then it becomes a slog for us. We think that by doing less, we're going to save ourselves some sanity, but I think more often than not, the opposite is is true. We get burnt out. They get burnt out. Sometimes it feels like even the dog is burnt out (laughs) because we've removed all the delight from the day. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh, that is so good, Jamie. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) 
Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. And today's quick tip is courtesy of Jamie. So what quick tip do you have for us today? Well, I would suggest you choose a call to worship for the year. And this is a song I prefer to to do like a praise and worship song. This is a song that you've selected at the beginning of the year so that as you're starting the homeschool day, you don't have to race around the house sort of yelling at the top of your lungs, come to the school table or come to the living room. You can just hit play on your phone and play that song. Your kids will hear it and they know that they'll have that, you know, three to five minutes to wrap up whatever they're doing and get to the school table or the living room or wherever you kind of start your day. And it's a way to gently start the day in a posture of worship, not a posture of drill sergeant. Mm, That's really good. Love it. Listeners, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Well, Jamie, thank you again for coming back on and joining us today. This has, as always with you, been such an encouragement. So where can our listeners uh, go to find out more about you, your books, and your ministry? I think the easiest way is to go to jamieerickson.com. That's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. And that's where you'll see my podcast and links to my blog, um, the Bibliophiles community that I lead, and any other offering that I have to send out into the world. That's that's great, Jamie. Also, listeners, um, she just mentioned that on her website, uh, she talks has a, a thing that she refers to as the bibliophiles. And I was actually looking into that a couple of weeks ago. We get so many emails asking us to recommend good quality books for kids. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you something. Jamie is the expert when it comes to vetting and recommending books for all ages. So be sure to check that out, the bibliophiles on her website, jamieerickson.com. And as always, we will put links in the show notes to all things Jamie Erickson. Jamie, how about offering our listeners a final word of encouragement? I think all too often homeschool moms are guilty of getting distracted by what everyone else is doing. We think that if, you know, we switched curriculums, if we bought that one special planner that we saw on social media, or we started um, using this trendy new method of education, our days will be so much better. We're looking for silver bullets. But trust me, there's nothing that will serve your homeschool better than daily faithfulness. So don't concern yourself with chasing that perfect curriculum, the perfect morning routine, the perfect organizational system. Be consistent with whatever you already have in place. And little bit by little bit, you're going to see it add up to really great things. Consistency isn't sexy. But it's sound, (laughs) it's steady, and it's going to serve you better than the next big thing. Thank you so much, Jamie and Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us today. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her children's books, co-authored with Al Rowland, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Sam and the Sticky Situation is a book about whining. Chloe in the Closet of Secrets is a book about lying. And Sean and his amazing shrinking sister is a book about teasing. 
We're also offering $10 off when you buy all three books, as well as an additional 10% off this already great deal when you use that same code, parenting, at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com, and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts.